in the 21st century Hard-working people working hard for you and me Moving higher time and time again Through the years you'll find us here Moving higher Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Markets with Chip Nellinger. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by TractorZoom, delivering insights. If you're looking for a great place to find and track auction data and uh, see what's going on out there and see how the trend lines are starting to line up for 2021, check out TractorZoom's Iron Comps. Best place in the world to get that information at the tip of your fingertips. If you decide to go that route, use Moving Iron at checkout and you get yourself a nice little discount. Chip is with Blue Reef Agri-Marketing out of Morton, Illinois. And Chip, uh, looks like the elevator goes both ways on this on the soybean trade. It does. What's that old saying? We take the uh, escalator up and the elevator down. And uh, we certainly <laughs> stepped on the elevator a couple days ago. And, um, yeah, we had, uh, you know, previous podcasts we talked about this, that, mm-hmm. you know, this market was historically getting pretty stretched to the upside. And, and uh, every time we'd ever been up to this level or higher in beans in history you eventually see an increase in uh, massive volatility we're seeing that we're about uh, i don't know less than four trading sessions about uh, roughly 80 cents off the highs in uh, you know old crop bean contracts here and uh, corn you know it's it's in the mix there as well maybe not quite as deep a break but surely about uh, 35 cents off the highs here about four trading sessions in corn so um you know, shaking people up a little bit, making people wake up and say, oh, you know, markets uh, don't always go just one way straight up. And, uh, you know, no real reason. Now, that's the that's the crazy thing. People are like, what's the reason? Why? Why? Why are we breaking? There's no apparent reason for this. It's just, um, you know, there's there's some corrections happening here. First, the dollars had a little bit of a bounce and a rally. The uh, interest rates are up just a little bit um, from the first of the year. I think it's just some profit taking. Um, it's plain and simple. A uh, little better. You can you can put the excuse on a little better forecast uh, and, and some better rain that's been seen in Argentina. Kind of a mixed bag in in Brazil, but it's certainly not um, you know been a 180 degree pattern shift down there and raining everywhere. So it's a little bit of a head scratcher to a lot of people. But you know it's just uh, what's typical in a market that goes as straight up as we've been going. Eventually, you're going to see a correction. Um, that small speculator category on the commitment of traders report was an all-time record long uh, in corn here uh, as of this past Friday. Uh, and, and on the high side, not a record long, but a high side, um, you know, length in the bean market. And, and that, you just got too many people, you know, leaning one way on the boat. And uh, we're going to put a little bit of a correction in and see, uh, you know, shake things up a little bit and see where the dust settles here in a few days. Yep. Yeah, so it's uh, it, I mean, there's, there's going to be a lot of volatility. It's like you talked about this, you know, it, it's one of those things where when stuff goes rockets up, it's, it's going to come back down sooner or later, at least to just a checkpoint before it goes back up. You know what I mean? So there's plenty of opportunity for volatility in here, both both ways up and down. Um, and obviously, weather patterns are going to play a big part of that. And you know, the weather patterns, as you look across. Um, you know the Black Sea regions and and those kind of things. It, it, there's not the uh, the drought situation there is not letting up anytime soon. So it looks like um, Russia finally did come out and say that there's going to be a smaller grain crop than expected this year. And um, 
looks like those export tax are actually going to be something they're going to do. So as you take a look at that situation in the Black Sea and how that's going to affect the overall wheat crop here in the U.S. and in the wheat marketplace, what are your what are your thoughts there on, on wheat right now? Yeah, you know, I, recently here the wheat market had been kind of leading us higher based off of um, what you're talking about there, export tax, um, you know, on Russian wheat that's coming up here um, in February. Uh, dry weather, you know, that pattern hasn't changed. And so certainly a lot of support in the wheat market, and it had been leading us higher, but it's caught up in this um, sell-off too. So uh, I think eventually that's going to be something that uh, the market, uh, uh, you know, that will support the wheat market. But, you know, where does that support come in? You, you could, you know, correct things more than anticipated here. The problem with the wheat situation um, is, as far as the weather goes, is, you know, that crop uh, in the Northern Hemisphere, both, you know, Europe, Russia, Ukraine, and the United States um, is in dormancy right now. Many areas are, are dry in the Northern Hemisphere, but it's too early to talk that up or to have it really affect the market yet. You got to get into, you know, kind of April, May timeframe and, and see how much more moisture we're going to get and how that crop came out of dormancy. And so that bullish piece specifically, you know, that's out ahead. The market really, it, it, it it's concerned about it, but it's not something that's front and center right now. And so that's something that's going to be supportive out in front of us, you know, weeks and months. And uh, in the meantime, the, the wheat market, uh, being the wheat market, it's it's got a, a mentality and a, and a uh, you know, personality all of its own. And it, it's uh, pretty fickle and, and very choppy as it is. And you get some of this volatility seen in the corn and the wheat in the bean market and, and uh, wheat's going to chop some people up too. And I think that's, uh, you know, probably what we're in the middle of is, yeah, I think you hit the, hit the nail on the head earlier. I mean, no, no market goes, goes straight up. This one seems like it's going straight up, especially in the case of beans, but uh, eventually there is that correction and, and, and you need that two-sided trade. It's healthy for the market, but you know, unless you have a plan, we talk about having a plan all the time, you know, what do I do now? Right? Like I, I, I wish I, if I have old crop corn beans or wheat left, and we just broke, you know, a large amount off the highs. What what do I do now? Should I wish I sold it now? Is that the top? Are we going to go lower? Because this whole, you know, mental psychological game that's thrown in there as well, and it just makes it that much tougher to make decisions. Yep. So China has uh, come to the table quite a bit here. So there's a report out in Pro Farm this morning that says Chinese soybeans import top 100 million metric tons in 2020, setting a brand new record. So. Um, Obviously, their growing conditions were atrocious. I mean, they had record epic floods and, they, you know, all kinds of good stuff. They're shaping up to have another, you know, kind of a longer, wetter winter type of deal like we saw more in 2019 in our in our uh, weather patterns, having something set up similar to that. The U.S. dollar, uh, with its weakening um, strength, uh, is, is opening up the door to a lot more... Um, uh, exports, kind of like you mentioned er, earlier, just a little bit ago. I guess as you take a look at exports, where the dollar's at, some of the difficulties that we're seeing in South America. Do you do you see the Chinese buying more um, crop from the U.S. based on maybe? What, I mean, obviously they get through harvest and everything down in South America yet, but what's your thoughts there? I mean, do you do you, do you see the Chinese coming to buy more more U.S. Uh, agricultural products? Yeah, I think for the time being, and, and they've been there, you know, yeah. maybe not to the extent that uh, they were a couple months ago, but 
yeah, they've they've been in there within the past uh, few trading sessions for some U.S. beans. Um, they're definitely there, and and I think as you dissect this thing, um, and and we get a couple years down the road, <clears throat> I think what we'll probably come to the conclusion of is, yes, there was a tr- trade agreement uh, in the middle of this, but at the heart of it, I think what happened was uh, a poor crop for China, and um, it just so happened to be smack dab in the middle of this trade agreement and um you know they had committed to buying all these agricultural products and it um it really benefited them because they needed it and um so you know will they continue that i think it's going to depend on a the ultimate size of the south american crop how much they have to export to the world market and b how the chinese crop bounces back you know during um, the northern hemisphere spring and summer and what kind of weather they have Right. And certainly their demand is massive, you know, almost unquantifiable. They're, you know, increasing everything. You know, we've seen the the uh, pictures of these massive uh, pork production facilities that are multiple stories high and, you know, six or eight of these buildings in a <clears throat> small area. And so they're ramping up and, and, and there's a definite need. Will they continue to buy at the pace that they have? I think that's an unknown. I, I, again, I think it depends on uh, other you know, world suppliers' crop sizes, in, in, including their own. They they don't want uh, longer term to, you know, have to rely on the rest of the world. So right. they're doing, believe me, they're doing all they can to increase their yields and, and stimulate production and, and um, you know, try to be as self-sufficient as possible. And um, I, I think in the end result, I'm a little fearful going forward that, that uh, it's going to continue at this pace that they've been on the last, you know, six months. Um, but I think that's going to be hot dependent upon their, their crop size. They bounce back with a big domestic crop, uh, this coming year. And, and I think they back off a little bit and, and then, you know, to that same point, you know, there's still these estimates out of Brazil and Argentina that are a little bit higher than what I had expected given some of their dry weather. So, you know, that is still a potential that Brazil still raises around a 130 million metric ton bean crop. Even if it drops to 128 million tons, that's still by far a record crop. Some of that is based on increasing acreage down there, three and a half, four percent increase in acres. But uh, there's some areas that have been getting some decent rains, and and it's not a disaster everywhere. And that crop's still going to be big. And, and I think, you know, eventually, maybe the market's starting to wake up to that a little bit now. Um, you know, no matter what size that crop is, uh, you know, each day it ticks off the calendar. We're we're one day closer. That thing's going to be in the world marketplace here uh, a very short order here you know with a matter of three or four weeks we're probably going to have increasing supplies of beans out of brazil and then you get into march and it's going to be uh, you know full-blown harvest down there for them no matter what their crop size and whatever they have they're going to put out on the world market and china's going to swallow it up and, and likely shift some of that demand down south from here yeah that's the one thing about about that is there's uh this a uh, crop you know that crop year where they that's what they do with it. That's what they're wanting to do with it. They're wanting to export it. That's what they. That's how they roll with it. Now you look at some of the situation with the what they've gotten some rain down there in, in some key areas that they're talking about. Now we're starting to look at you know not that far away from going into um, their their corn planting season, just like ours. You know, have you seen any projections out there anywhere where they've talked about number of acres being planted in Brazil as far as uh, projected acres go, as far as corn? Well, I haven't, and, and and I think that's another key to the market going forward too is the Brazil um, corn crop size, right? So, mm-hmm. 
about two thirds of their total corn crop is their second crop that's planted in February. And, you know, they're going to do all they can given the price level that it's very, very profitable has been for three years, but continues to be very profitable to the Brazilian farmer to, to plant all the acres they can and produce the largest crops possible. So that's going to be a key to this corn crop going forward too, is um, do they start getting some better rain? You know, A, can they get the beans out timely mm-hmm. um, so that they can plant that second crop on time? And then can they get some moisture uh, for that second corn crop? It's two thirds of their total corn crop, the bulk that's exported. And so that's a, that's going to be a key ingredient to how much, you know, does China buy more U.S. corn and, and kind of the, the, the world balance sheet situation. And, and that's yet to be seen because that crop's still in the bag and, and waiting to be planted here in a few weeks. Yep. All right, let's talk about uh, cattle market here for a little bit. Cattle market has been um, kind of bounced around, but they've, they've had a couple of days of a pretty good run here. So talk about what you see happening there. Yeah, we've got this uh, April, April contract just knocking on the door of, uh, of new highs here, uh, um, you know, about 119 and a half. <clears throat> the deferred live cattle have been perking up a little bit uh, as well because of these higher uh, feed costs. And so, you know, I think we've got through a lot of disappointing um, cash trade the last, uh, you know, four or five weeks in here without a whole lot of damage on uh, the front end uh, cattle chart and, and, and cattle market. So surprisingly, we didn't have a bigger washout. Maybe that's because of the deferreds being held up because of, you know, higher feed costs. Uh, but finally, um, if we can hopefully, and I think box beef is stabilized and, and maybe put, you know, kind of a, a bottom in here for the near time, it's bounced back a little bit. And so there's still strong packer margins out there. Uh, I think that the market looks, uh, looks good. Obviously the feeder cattle market's liking, um, you know, the, the little correction we're seeing in the, in the corn market in here front month feeders have had a nice bounce off the lows, uh, you know, based on, uh, you know, this correction we're in the middle of in, in corn. So I, I think things are, are looking good uh, for cattle. I don't think going to 140. I think you could, um, you know, certainly take the April up into the, you know, 122, 123 range uh, and, and put these uh, deferred contracts, you know, maybe in the upper 120s eventually, maybe knock on the door at 130. But, um, you know, I, I think so far, breathing a sigh of relief, we dodged a little bit of a bullet because of just such weaker cash trade the last four weeks in a row, at least maybe five. And, uh, it didn't do more damage, uh, uh, you know, that it didn't do more damage, I think is a little bit of a, of a moral victory right now. So, uh, cattle market looks pretty good. The, the hog market, um, just, you know, can't turn the corner yet and, um, acting a little bit sloppy, well off the highs and, and just, you know, too, too big a numbers, and, and the weights still are pretty big. So, you know, talk about efficiencies. We're, we're putting the U.S. pork producers putting a lot of a lot of uh, tonnage on the market. And uh, that's really kind of holding the nearbys back. But like the cattle, the, these deferred uh, hogs have have uh, because of higher corn prices, higher uh, meal prices. They, they've acted a little bit better. But even the deferreds have put a little bit of a nasty correction in here in the last couple of days. So. Um, might just, you know, again, hog market, like the wheat market kind of has its own mentality here and can be a little bit vicious at times. And right now it's, uh, it's not acting, it's acting like a, a little two-year-old. It doesn't want to cooperate and, and, uh, it's taking its blanket and uh, going home for the time being. We're seeing a little bit of a correction. Yep. <clears throat> so Joe Biden gets inaugurated today. It's the, uh, 
new president of the United States. Uh, he's got a kind of a laundry list of things. He's got executive orders pinned to that will uh, change a lot of the stuff that, that Trump has done as far as climate accords and those kind of things. One of the biggest ones that I have been watching and paying attention to is he's talked about revoking the permits for the XL, the Keystone XL pipeline. Um, what effect do you think that's going to have on the oil market moving forward? You need any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> that's one market, crude oil, that's still up near the highs. And, you know, <clears throat> all these other major financial markets, um, the, the dollar index had a huge break the last half of, uh, of 2020. Um, you know, interest rates, um, you know, huge break down near zero. <clears throat> and they've started putting a little bit of a corrective uh, move in here from their main trends. Crude oil hasn't, probably partially because of... Um, you know, this uh, Keystone Pipeline, uh, partially because I think there's a little uncertainty that <clears throat> he's talking out of both sides of his mouth or has talked out of both sides of his mouth. Imagine that, a politician in Washington Shocker, talking out of both huh? sides of their, their mouth, Casey. But, That's weird. Uh, you know, on one hand, he says, no, no, we're not going to ban fracking. On the other hand, he's he's on record in, in video saying, absolutely, we're going to ban fracking. Uh, probably that, more than anything, is going to have the biggest effect on crude oil prices, at least domestically his, you know, policy towards um, fracking. And, um, you know, I, I think spilling back over to the conversation on, on corn, I read a story yesterday also that um, the EPA has already, you know, granted some additional uh, exemptions from the, you know, renewable fuels yeah, issue. So, yeah. you know, even during Trump's four years, the EPA was pretty antagonistic towards um, ethanol, particularly and that's going to be an issue. So this whole energy policy thing is a real wild card, definitely going to affect the energy markets, crude oil, but it's also going to spill over and potentially greatly affect uh, our corn market and maybe our bean market too, from a biodiesel standpoint, that's a big wild card, a big unknown that uh, really could have um, significant effects on, on agriculture. And, and uh, I think everybody's kind of, you know, uh, holding their breath a little bit on what we're exactly what we're going to see this first 90 days of this new administration. Yep. Well, a lot, lot of uh, lot of different changes coming. However, you want to look at it. I mean, there's there's uh, the whole House and Senate that is kind of shifting around a little bit, and uh, you know, midterm elections aren't that far away. So it's about as bad as when they're running for president. So it'll be you'll be enamored with every thing that could possibly come up. So. Chip, uh, good just, stuff there. Just when we thought it was over. Yeah, no kidding, right? No kidding. So, yeah, March will be, uh, we'll start seeing all the reasons why we should do this, that, and the other thing. So, it'll be good good times. Let the programming begin. Exactly. Yep. Good stuff, Chip. People want to reach out to you and get more information about Blue Reef Agri-Marketing or help uh, with their marketing plan. What's the best way to do it? Yeah, the best way, just give us a call at our office. It's 309-550-7213. Love to chat with you. Lots going on in the market. So uh, it's uh, definitely an interesting, challenging, exciting time in our, uh, in our grain and livestock markets here. Yeah, no doubt about that. So I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you'll find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast. Also check out movingironllc.com. That's where you'll find all the information about the Moving Iron Podcast. And if you want to see what Chip looks like and get a little more background on him, check out the uh, the podcast markets page there, and you'll you'll see uh, you'll see Chip there and uh, a lot of good stuff there. So 
Also, check out the special events page I have up there. Uh, a good friend of mine, Bill Albaugh, is going to be part of a farm equipment magazine um, webinar uh, based around a, a company called Heavyworth. And Heavyworth is a, uh, uh, a development app to help evaluate equipment. So check that out. Need more information on that, check out uh, the Moving Iron LLC special events page. So with that, I am Casey Seymour with Chip Mellinger. Let's go meet some iron, folks. Out. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving